DJ and PK, Steve Tate joining us right now, the former Utah safety. You know him from the Hayes Tough Foundation. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. You can visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Hey, Steve, good morning. Good morning. You too. What's going on? Uh, we got multiple things going on. I'm curious what you think about the Utah defense rebuilding on the fly. It's awesome that they sent that many guys to the NFL, but that means a lot of guys didn't play. Some were in the program, but some probably weren't. So how quickly is Utah defense going to rebuild? Ooh. You know, I, again, I, I go back to what, what Coach Whittingham's known for, and that's, uh, that's rebuilding defense and reloading every year. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm more confident facing a, a defense that has to reload than, than an offense. Um, looking at, obviously, Utah this year, you know, secondary completely wiped out. They've got to replace two guys, three guys uh, that uh, went to the NFL. And, you know, that's, that's hard to replace. But if anything, we know that, uh, you know, Utah's defense is a system-based defense. And, you know, guys just tend to, to step up and rebuild. And, you know, I don't think they're going to have quite the athletic caliber that, you know, you saw last year. Um, but, you know, we see it year in and year out. I mean, that that defense is known to put guys in the NFL, and, and a lot of it's because uh, Coach Whittingham puts them in a good place to to succeed. And so, you know, I'm not as I'm not as worried defensively as as perhaps if we had to look at the offense and and, and face a rebuilding situation. If you were coaching right now, Steve, how nervous would you be knowing that you're not having the face to face individual contact and the strength people are not with these guys? in terms of them being able to come back and be physically where they're supposed to be? You know, I, I think, you know, the, the fortunate part is everyone's in the same same boat. I mean, no one's getting a competitive advantage uh, if you look across the board and, and certainly in the conference and, you know, right now with, with the entire, uh, you know, NCAA football in general. But, you know, I think what what's hard and, and difficult for the coaches right now is is understanding how to balance it and and and, and you know learning learning how to to juggle this. Yeah, you know, a lot of it's going to come up uh, turn to the individuals, the the players themselves. I mean, if they're if they're guys that uh, are, are self disciplined and motivated, then you know you, you won't have too big of an issue. Uh, the one thing I do see though is um, you know defense. I think. When you look at defense, a lot of a lot of it can be done uh, in, in the film room. You know, a lot of uh, you can go over your schemes and, and go over situations in the film room. A lot lots of film work when it comes to defense. Offensively, you know, you need repetition. You need significant repetition. And and you obviously right now uh, with with Huntley gone, you're going to face a quarterback coming in, a uh, new quarterback coming in a new system. And that that takes repetition, and and so I'd say that that's right. You know, to me, that's probably where the anxiety comes in a little bit. Is is how do I get you know my quarterback situation figured out with the lack of reps that perhaps uh, they're getting? And so you know a lot of it's going to come down to those those guys trying to learn the system on the fly. Um, but until you can have live reps, you know, you're going to be at a little bit of disadvantage compared to some of these other schools who have a returning quarterback coming back. So you say there's no advantage. I've heard maybe there's a small advantage for the schools in this state because to one degree or another, they all have programs that they send to missionaries who don't have access to anything but need to stay in shape. Is that that big an advantage? How good are those programs versus 
whatever another school in California or Arizona or Texas has to come up with on the fly, how big an advantage is that, or is it pretty nominal? Um, yeah, you know, if it, if this continues on, you know, if this drags on for another month in, in California, which you know, gosh, who knows? It may based on you know what we've seen from from uh, their 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 governor. But I, I don't. If it continues for a month or so, I think you know the the longer that plays out, of course, that the I think the the advantage in, increases for for Utah. Um, you know, that being said. You know things are still kind of slowly opening up here, and and uh, in in terms of you know being able to have larger groups and and get together and and, and working out, and so you know, but the longer that goes, I think yeah, the, the advantage shifts toward towards Utah. But you know, right now, I, I don't think it's the situation. Maybe a minimal advantage um, and, until you know, obviously, we start seeing things here a, a month from now. But yeah, we, we all know it is it, it's an interesting situation they're all facing. You know, Utah got. I don't know what one week of, of spring ball. I guess you know one week uh, more than than some of those schools. Um, you know, I guess anytime you're on the field, it's a little bit of an advantage. But um, you know, uh, again, until we have some certainty with all this and and know if fall camp opens up on time, I think we're all. I think all those teams are, are somewhat in the same boat. You think uh, regarding the quarterback situation. You got uh, a redshirt sophomore, I think, in Rising, and then the grad transfer in Bentley, who's got one season, and Rising has got three. Do you think that Bentley has to really knock him out in the competition? Because if it's even, why wouldn't you go with the younger guy? Yeah, you know, it's we're we're in a we're in a different world now when it comes to. Uh, it's just eligibility uh, with with transfers and grad transfers and. You know, it seems like you you can rent a quarterback nowadays, and you know it's worked for Oklahoma. Schools now have implemented it. It's it's worked for several of the top programs. Um, you know that quarterback position is so uh, important for a uh, for a program and for an offense to succeed. And if you can get a guy who has proven experience, um, you know, gosh, I look at Bentley and a guy who who started in, in you know uh, in the SEC. Uh, multiple years through, I think he started three years, a three-year starter in the, in the SEC. I, I just don't, I don't know how he doesn't uh, come in earning that starting spot. Um, no, I, I understand rising. I get that situation as well. Um, but you know, in my opinion, don't you don't bring in a guy like like Bentley who's as qualified as he is um, and not play him. Uh, you know, and 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 on that other foot, if I'm Bentley. You know, I, I'm gonna if I'm reevaluating my reevaluating my situation coming from the SEC, I'm, I'm gonna go to a school who uh, is having a, a departing quarterback, knowing that I'm gonna go in and fill that spot for one year and 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 you know show myself. So uh, it's it's tough. Uh, you know, I, again, I never want my son to play quarterback. That's for sure. I think that's a, that's a position right now that you know you just there's so many uncertainties in, in that position, and, and obviously it's non-transferable. You can't go play another position. Well, I, I guess you can, but you know, by the time you do, it's probably too little, too late. Um, so, yeah, I think the situation is, you know, rising. If he's on the same level, if I'm a coaching staff, I'm certainly looking for the future. Uh, that being said, you know, uh, experience carries its weight, and, and Bentley has experience, and he's got it at the top, you know, at the top level. How big is your son? <laughs> he just he just surpassed me in in both uh, height and weight. So he's he's now on six foot one seventy five. 14, he just turned 14, so well, he's not going to be playing. Uh, he's no safety. He's more linebacker, uh, <laughs> linebacker DN type. 
or Ben Roethlisberger. Or Ben, ben <laughs> Roethlisberger as well. So let me get this straight, Steve. You're saying that Bentley will be better than Joe Barrow. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what he oh, said. Oh, man. PK. I, I expected nothing less. That's exact. Put a, put a quotation in that right now. He will be better than Joe Burrow. I thought that's what I heard. <laughs> that's exactly what you heard. So the position group that uh, has historically needed the most help, and I have to say, after years of looking at them, you know, with one eyebrow raised, thinking, you don't have it, they've been getting better. They need to get better. But they have been improving. What kind of step forward do you think the receiver group takes? And you can lump tight ends in that or not. That's your choice. Judgment call on your point, on your part. Yeah. Um, I think we, we, have, we have been seeing that, that receiving core progressively getting better. I think last year, um, gosh, you know, the surprise was a tight end position. And, uh, and, and that is a huge weapon. Uh, that, I think that in itself – Gives you one one other option uh, on the offense. I've always said that tight end position is probably one of the more underutilized in college football. Um, if you have a tight end that's athletic, it's a mismatch for linebackers. Um, if he's big, it's a mismatch for safeties. I, I've always said that that linebacker or that that tight end position is is undervalued, underutilized. And Utah last year had just a unbelievable. Um, uh, you know, experience with 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 the with the tight end group, and I think that carries over. Um, I think getting getting Britton back is, is big. Uh, you know, he he was a guy. Needless to say, uh, just shifty gives gives you an, uh, a different element in that slot position. And then you know, ultimately, got to stretch the field. And uh, you know, so that that third option just stretching that field. But you know, I think I think that tight end position's locked down, and and that helped. I mean, that opened up Utah's offense more so than I've ever seen. Probably since you know, arguably since 2008 um, was the last time I've seen kind of an offense run um, like that, and I think a lot of it's because of that tight end position. Of course, Huntley and, and Moss helped out. You know, that, that doesn't hurt having those guys there as well. But you know, I think one thing that uh, that certainly can be pinpointed was was tight ends, and that that that's just a, a unique position. And I think that's going to help uh, whoever that quarterback is coming in uh, having that. It, it's you know that tight end. It, it, the nice thing about that tight end position, it's it's high percentage passes, and I think that goes along with Coach Whittingham his his kind of philosophy. You know, he he doesn't want to turn that ball over. And when you have a tight end, you know, you're you're, you're talking about high percentage uh, passing passing game, and uh, you're not taking huge risks. Um, you're getting the ball out quick, and, and so um, you know, then you're getting a guy who can who can then take it and 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 do some some incredible things after the catch. So. Um, yeah, I think it's it, it. Needless to say, it's gotten much better than than what we've seen in years past. Consistency in coaching obviously has been critical to Utah's success. I think I'd have double checked this, but I think since they've joined the Pac-12, Utah's had one coach, and the other five teams in the South, I think it's like seventeen or eighteen if you add up all the coaches, and so you can see where all that coaching instability has led to a lack of success. And we're at Utah, the coaching stability has led directly to a lot of the success that they have. And Kyle's, you know, he'll be 61 this season. And he's spoken how he doesn't want to be coaching uh, well into his 60s unless he changes his mind. That's what he's literally, he's literally said that publicly. 
So my thought for you is you know Scally very well, probably as well as anybody, and it seems like you know he got that raise, and I asked him after he got the raise, are you coaching waiting? And he said he didn't want to comment. But do you think that that is the natural transition to make? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think, you know, I, I think when you look at programs, um, you know, Utah's a good example, obviously, Urban, uh, you know, from Urban then to Coach Whittingham, and then whoever, obviously, Scout would probably be next in line. Um, but, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use probably, for lack of a better uh, example, Boise State. You know, Boise State, uh, I know we don't love – Probably a lot of Utah fans don't love uh, comparing the program to, to Boise State, but let's be honest. I mean, Boise State has been a program that has been notoriously uh, rebuilt every year without really taking a step back. And a lot of what they've done in inside that program is built within. They built within. They brought back guys that know uh, they know the recruiting. They they understand kind of the the advantages, the disadvantages. Uh, they understand the program. They understand the administration. Um, and and that in itself allows a quicker rebuild without taking a step back. And, um, you know, when I look at Utah, you know, I think following that same mold would be advantageous. I think, I think Morgan Scally is a guy who knows he grew up here. He obviously is a player a guy I played with. Um, G aid, uh, has, has been kind of growing with the program and understands it and the nuances that are with it understands, Obviously, the, the mission component understands uh, the recruiting elements that are, are you know, that you need to consider. Um, it, it was very, for, for Urban to do what he did, took a guy like Urban to do that, to come in in two years, to understand a program that quickly and turn it around in two years. Only a guy like Urban can do that. That's, that's an anomaly. I mean, I think with the, that's what we've seen in the Pac-12. Everyone's hoping for an Urban situation, and that's why they're going in kind of the revolving door with coaches in the Pac-12 is hoping that they can land a guy like Urban that can turn things around and, and create a powerhouse overnight. But that's just not the likely. That's just not, 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 that's not happening. Very, very seldom are you going to get a situation like that. Typically, you've got to build within that program um, guys that, have, that are familiar with it. So, you know, I think Coach Scally obviously is a, is a guy that's, that's, that's going to get probably the first option. You know, I think – I think a guy like Coach Anderson, if if he is interested, is obviously going to get a look as well. He's a guy that knows the program, knows the recruiting, knows the coaches, high school coaches here locally. Um, so yeah, I think those two guys. I certainly, if I were a betting man, I'd say you know the the nod goes to one of those two guys. And so when you look around the Pac-12, especially the Pac-12 South, and you see all this turnover that PK's talking about, not that anybody's Urban Meyer because nobody's Urban, but is there anybody you think is more equipped? Somebody's got to win all these games head to head. Who's most equipped to take advantage of this, uh, other than other than Utah with Kyle's consistency? Ooh. you know, I, I that's a that's a that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen enough from. I, I think the the situation in at ASU is unique. Um, you know, I think. Bringing guys that have NFL experience, although you know coaching in the NFL is so much different than coaching in college, so that that's a situation I'm obviously watching closely and seeing how that experiment pans out. And if it does, obviously I think they'll get top-notch players. But I think it's so much more than that uh, with Herm Edwards there. I, I you know I think 
I think USC has got its own issues. Um, you know, I just think they right now they're trying to they're trying to figure out if this coaching situation is is really one that's going to last, and if it's if it's more something higher up than the, than just a head coach. You know, maybe it's a program issue. I think USC certainly, um, you know, they've got the talent, but you know they're they're lacking consistency, and I think obviously consistent in, in the head coach. Um, you know, I think. If you were to look at the Pac-12 South, I think it's it's certainly Utah's. Uh, in my opinion, it, it's still theirs to to be taken. You know, if I look right now elsewhere, obviously I'd, I'd point to Oregon. I think Oregon last year showed that it's still one of those top programs. It's still, you know, it, that coaching staff uh, rebuilt pretty quickly. So you know, in the Pac-12, I'd say Oregon, but certainly in in the Pac-12 South, I don't think there's anybody a better position than Utah. You think Urban is done coaching? Or you think he come back? Oh man! You know, I, I, I think, I think he comes back. I don't know how quickly though. You know, I think Shelly and and I've gotten to know Shelly pretty um, closely over the last couple of years. She's helped a lot with foundation along with Urban. I, I think they they love the position position they're in. You know, Urban's son now walking on it uh, at Cincinnati. You know, I think what. One of the biggest misconceptions of Urban, if you don't know him, if you if you don't know him personally or been coached under him, you know, I think people think that he's he's uh, just this guy who who you know uh, he, he, his ego is bigger than than any program. And and the reality is, you know, Urban's still pretty grounded when it comes to family. I mean, I, I see him wanting to watch his son at Cincinnati. I see him wanting to be there. Um, and as soon as that situation clears up and his son graduates, uh, and you know, I, I, that's when I see him making a move. But right now, you know, Urban is a, really a family-oriented guy. I mean, if you if you follow him, and follow his wife, they're, it's, you know, it's all about their kids and their grandkids. And I think there's a big uh, component of Urban that wants that and wants to experience that before he jumps into a new head coaching position. So I don't think it's going to be within the next. You know, three years. I think it, I, I do think he'll coach again, but not not till after uh, his son's done playing football. Uh, there's a, supposed to be a vote today on tra- on transfers. Should they be allowed? Should student athletes be allowed to move one time without having to lose a year of eligibility or redshirt? Just move and be immediately eligible. I know there's no perfect. Well, maybe you think there is. I don't think there's a perfect vote here. You got to pick the best option. Which one would you pick? Would you vote yes or no? Well, I'm biased. Obviously, I, I transferred, and I, you know, I, I happened to fall in that kind of loophole on the mission where I didn't have. I came home from the mission, and I was basically a free agent. So I, I, I was able to do it without having to wait out a year. So um, I'd be, I'd be a, a hypocrite if I didn't say that I think it should be allowed around, you know, around all programs. I think. Right now, so much uh, has been taken from the student athlete. Um, maybe not taken, but so much has been given to the coaches, and so much freedom has been given to the coaches, and so much limitation has been uh, restricted for the student athlete. And uh, and eventually, as we've seen, uh, that that can only last so long before the student athletes start to have a little more power. And uh, and, and I think it's good. I think that these kids, you know, if they're going to recruited by a guy, and that guy's in their house, and the next day. This coach knows darn well that he's not going to be there the next, you know, following week, and he takes a, a position elsewhere. But yet, you know, two days ago he was talking to the kid's parents, promising him that uh, he would be their coach for the whole. Th- I mean, those situations just that's just not right. And a kid should have the ability to transfer if a situation like that occurs. So I do think that kids should be allowed to have have one transfer without sitting out. I do. 
So you went to Utah State. Who was the first guy to interview you when you made your decision to go to Utah State? <laughs> That's a wise man. I think it was PK. Was that you? <laughs> what that was a young that? PK. <laughs> no gray hair. Just getting started. Yeah. What year did you graduate? <laughs> what year was your senior year? My, it was 2001. Oh, Steve, we're getting old, man. We are getting old. <laughs> I know. We're getting old. <laughs> I got a 14. I mean, my son's gonna be playing high school next year. I mean, I, I'm old, man. I hear you. Six one one seventy five. He's gonna be. Huge. I know. It's good size, yeah, for yeah. a 14 year old. <laughs> He's a big yeah. kid. All right, hey Steve, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on. Always fun, guys. Good talking to you.